Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council, the voice of American business in Nigeria. Now, the Business Exchange is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works and with a deep dive into stories that have an impact in different sectors. My name is Margaret Olele and I'm your host for the show. Uh, today, we will be talking about um, cybersecurity in Africa and focusing on youth upskilling and gender inclusion. Uh, before we go into the details and bring in the wonderful special guest we have today, I just want to give us some brief background on, you know, the cybersecurity space. I know my team pulled a, a lot of interesting uh, things out. And, you know, we, we know that uh, the, that cybersecurity is, a, is critically important to governments and Nigeria is no different. And um, the soft infrastructure pillar in Nigeria's national digital economy policy and strategy outlines a vision for diverse, diversifying the country's economy using digital technologies as a catalyst and also, you know, mentions the issue around cybersecurity. We also know, and, you know, everybody takes COVID-19 as the, you know, the whipping boy, but the, re the reality is that the pandemic accelerated the adoption of digital platforms, but also led to the increase of cyber threats. And I know that according to, um, is it re-security, that Africa alone loses 3.5 billion annually to cyber crime. And, and, and then again, we're looking at how, who are the people who are susceptible to these crimes. In the past, you know, people who were um, less than 20 were said to be less susceptible to cyber crimes. Uh, but with the migration of more children to online, school platforms, we have seen a 100% increase in this age demographic falling victims to cyber crimes, not even excluding those who are above that age as well. And we've seen things like, you know, cyber victims in their teens increasing from 10,000 per year to 20,000 from 2019 to 2020. And this really underscores the need for uh, a very urgent tightening of online child protection measures. And I do know that the Office of the National Security Advisor is, you know, doing quite a lot around building um, uh, the Cyber um, Security Act. So sadly, this has become also a lucrative business for certain people. And we see that, you know, um, in, 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 in um, every year, we're, we're told that cyber criminals, you know, earn as much as 1.3 trillion. And this would, you know, um, continue with the adoption of the hybrid space. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, you know, at the ABAC um, American Business Council, we recognize that this is very important. And so last year we had the first cybersecurity conference and recommended, uh, you know, other, among others for internal collaboration, capacity building, clear standards uh, for data flow and you know online protection and again reporting channels um but i have held you for a bit without introducing our special guest yeah maybe just to keep you in suspense but today we have some very wonderful person you know joining us uh you know uh today and um i i i still feel there's a need for me to hold on but let's just go on Today, we have confidence, uh, Stavely. St St now, tell me if I pronounce that, you know, um, not correctly, um, because we, 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 did a, we had a joke about this earlier, you know, before this. But <laughs> confidence, you know, confidence, confidence is actually, and I love that name, confidence. She is the founder of the Cyber Safe Foundation and Africa's most celebrated female security leader she's a talent uh, developer global speaker and an inclusion advocate and you know why this is important as we move on she has a long list of achievements as she was the Cybersecurity woman of the year award um in 2021 and 2022 and you know the organization she works um with all that setup um correct me if i'm wrong is a non-governmental organization that has facilitated you know, changes that are immeasurable in terms of digital access in Africa. Beyond that, there's been a lot of fantastic awareness, you know, including coming up with a story five security awareness handbook and Africa's putting together Africa's first 
Afrobeat, interesting security awareness song. Confidence, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And you actually <laughs> pronounced my last name correctly. Stanley. Ah, yes. Stanley. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> Thank okay. you for me. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to, to have you here. I, so I just, um, you know, there's a couple of things that are running through my head right now, as always. But the first thing I would like to ask is, you know, um, I see that your organization has been involved in a lot of cybersecurity awareness campaigns. So how do you think that Africa can help improve, you know, the areas of handling um, cybersecurity threats? That's a very big question, but I love it. <laughs> um, and just to really put it out there, that one organization for a fact can't, can't fight um, these cyber threats. Um, there, there becomes a need to, um, to collaborate, to amplify, to... Um, to also consistently drive awareness and at scale. And when I when I get when I get this question posed to me, I I generally like to have us think about it in the context of how how have we handled other um, uh, pandemics or endemics we've suffered? Because we think about cyber and we are not exactly thinking about it as a pandemic, but it is a pandemic for our digital economy, just like um, Ebola you know, um, just like um, COVID, you know, um, what's the health system? So how did the health system cope with this pandemic? I think that is really going to be a great analogy to help us think about cybersecurity and handling cyber threats in that same way, or rather in similar, using similar strategies. And one of such strategies that I, I think I really cue from um, our handling of Ebola and COVID is how we are able to take the messaging around preventive measures mainstream. I think that is one key thing that the health sector has done really well, that the emergency and the urgency of dealing with this pandemic cost stakeholders to come together, cost us leverage uh, media, you know, um, that is a non, a, a typically non-health sector player to be able to drive putting out the messaging at scale. So I believe that that is a very similar strategy that is required and to be done consistently so, um, to be able to make sure that the messaging gets out to everyone and we get to hear it long enough to change our behaviors. Because we also think about cybersecurity and we do not clearly see the line between um, behavioral changes and this particular art and science of keeping uh, or defending our networks. And I think that that's also one flaw we have. If we want people to start using the right, right, uh, you know, strong passwords, we want people to to begin to put defenses in place in their enterprises, they need to um, change how they're currently behaving, how they're currently acting, you know. And so we need to also think about in that context, the messaging, how we're making this messaging go, how far it's going, how often we put it out. So that's one key area, I think, around handling cyber threats we can get better at. The next key area I want to touch on also is um, digital literacy. So we speak about cybersecurity um, and most times looked at as something in silo, but if you work in the space, especially in the development space of cyber, um, you will find that um, it's only just a level, so you have to build on something else. So cybersecurity is, is on the building block for, um, you know, the prosperity of the digital economy. But on the, on the foundation or in the foundation of being able to, you know, ensure that we are able to, uh, you know, transact, you know, freely, that we are able to securely make, uh, make, you know, money, make value available on internet. We have to ensure that the users are also digitally literate. And we find that that's not exactly the case in a good enough proportion that we see across Africa. There's also, there's still, um, quite a, we're lagging behind, let me put it that way, in terms of digital literacy. And if you want to look at it in terms of the, uh, in the gender lens, you know, you, you have a, another set of numbers there that shows that women are lagging behind digital literacy. So how then do you build on that? If the foundation is, is, is lacking or the foundation isn't strong enough or the foundation doesn't have a wide enough base, you know, then it makes cybersecurity um, awareness very difficult to achieve um, effectively. There's also something I, I think is very important. Um, we are constantly 
um, looking at how cybersecurity affects different industries, but we're not paying enough attention to how cybersecurity awareness affects end users, um, especially very vulnerable groups like senior citizens and elders, right? So um, we need to begin to concentrate on senior citizens and elders as well. Like you mentioned, another vulnerable group, children. Uh, we are not giving enough attention. And when I mean attention, it's not just saying, you know what, this is important to us, but how are we giving attention in terms of our time, our resources, time and money? Um, and, and policies and things like that and implementing them in a way that protects these people. Um, another key thing with cybersecurity awareness is the lack of proactivity. Um, and for here, I want to say that the lack of proactivity is also driven by the fact that people don't exactly see it as an urgent uh, thing that they have to do before an attack happens. We usually will sit back you know, and just wait for something bad to happen. Oh, we are going to say, my friend, God forbid, <laughs> you know, it's not me. <laughs> you know, it's the next person. We always just think we wish it on the next person and we never see ourselves being victims. So we don't even prepare and prevent um, the bad things from happen happening. So we need to do that. We also need that proactivity to touch non, uh, when I say non-mainstream cyber issues, like, um, um, investment scams, you know, because mm -hmm. those are also mm -hmm. cyber crimes and those cyber crimes also erode trust, which is a key component of digital economy. So we need the governments and other key players to become more proactive around non, non, when I say non, uh, 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 you know, not so technical and directly technical cybersecurity or cyber crimes. You know, um, things like investments comes as well um, as key, are key things that I, I think um, should be should get attention. But last oh, yes. thing I want to mention is that government needs to play a key role um, in driving awareness and handling cyber threats by leading, leading by example. Uh, I mean, in how the government is prepared in the agencies, the MDAs, how is the workforce, how do the workforce themselves see themselves in cyber? You know, it's cybersecurity awareness month, so our team now is see yourself in cyber. How are these people that work for government across the MDAs, how prepared are they? How aware is the workforce around cyber issues and, you know, cyber hygiene best practices? So I think that government can, <laughs> and can play a major role in leading by example. I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, something else that came to my mind as we we're speaking completely off the script is the fact mm -hmm. that when we talk about behavioral change, um, it, it also has to do with how we're reaching out to the youth to let them know that this is just not the only way to live a life. We've mm -hmm. had a situation where people have uh, been at home, students have been at home for a long time. Some of them are learning mm -hmm. coding, some of them are learning good things, but some also may just, you know, begin to think of, okay, fine, let me get my hands into this. And there are lots of, you know, uh, dark nets and things and, you know, um, opportunities in the negative way uh, that, mm -hmm. that 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 most of this can get young people into. So um, really being able to, and that's again why it is important that engaging, positively engaging the youth is extremely helpful so that they don't, uh, you know, it's, it's cliche, but yes, the devil, you know, the... Uh, the empty mind, you know, is, is the devil's workshop, right? So, you know, so and the idle soul. So it's important to positively engage and then also um, send out messages, targeted messages to different segments. And, you know, you talked, talked about the government as well. I see, you know, a lot of interest of thanks to the conferences we've had, the two we've had now. The minister, mm -hmm. the honourable minister for um, communication and digital economy, has shown a lot of um, support and interest in looking at these areas, and so also the office of the national security advisor and the U.S. mission. So mm -hmm. the main thing is translating the interest into, um, of course, through collaboration with um, a private sector in terms of building capacity, like what you're saying, MD, MDAs, how, you know, how do you get them ready now, moving them from, you know, just knowing that this exists to really, um, you know, how they can, they can um, do a bit more uh, beyond just uh, getting themselves um, aware and interested. So um, at this point, it looks like I'm also interviewing myself. But, <laughs> Considering, considering that this is something of really uh, critical importance, you know, I, I find and something that's really that I'm most passionate about. Um, I, you know, I, I just feel that there's a need to chime in there as well. But before we may come back to this later, or you want to share some thoughts around that, but I, there was something you said about women 
you know, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that, you know, um, the space, you know, the, the, the issue around gender inclusion and, and, and all. So, and I'm looking at the World Bank report, a World Bank report pulled in from, you know, by my team on women in the Middle East and Africa contributing only five to nine percent of the cybersecurity workforce. And that this gap is even widened by the different rates of digital literacy between men and women. Mm -hmm. is, is, is that something that um, we should be worried about? Oh, yes, we definitely should be. And, and why we should be worried about it is because about 9% of the jobs um, in the next five years um, will require digital skills. So what we're seeing with those stats or what those stats are saying is that um, about 50% of our population, which is what we're looking at in terms of the, the, the population of females, um, about 50% of our population is not going to be able to access work. That's what we're seeing in those stats. And I think, Margaret, let's tune on that. Mm. Um, that 50% of our workforce will not be able to access jobs because they don't even have these two skills. So that is exactly why this is important, that we need to create platforms that specifically target women to get these digital skills because it's on top of that that we can build up other um other advanced skills because cybersecurity is is an advanced digital skill but we need that basic digital literacy first to be set up to be there and then you know women can 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 get can get more and I, I think the average woman is very ambitious um just that she's limited by a lot of things and we're seeing that very increasingly in some of the female focus programs that we have i know a lot of people you know now we have a lot of female focus programs and people are like ah, ah, what's happening to the guys why are we not having something <laughs> for i mean it's true margaret i hear it a lot and sometimes i don't block it out because i know the realities um, and I know that the, the men who support us understand that there are these roadblocks. They are really lofty in the way of women accessing opportunities that is literally a cycle. So we, we set up programs like Cyber Girls um, Fellowship and DigiGirls. And what we're doing with that is in recognition of the fact that digital skills, uh, especially basic digital skills, which then you can then build up to be something else, is lacking. So DigiGirls, for example, is sponsored by... Uh, or funded by the UK government through its digital access program. And what we do with that program is we give girls and women basic to intermediate digital skills. Now, because we are first and foremost a cybersecurity organizations, uh, cybersecurity organization, we put in cybersecurity awareness in the curriculum, um, which helps us, you know, while giving these women these skills, you know, they would have cybersecurity awareness as part of it. But the main goal is to be able to build up that foundation that a program like Cyber Girls that provides cybersecurity skills, which is then an advanced program, can then sit on top. Because what we found out when we started off Cyber Girls was we would get girls into the program and they will not know how to turn on a computer. So you start teaching them cyber it's true. We start teaching them cybersecurity from how to turn on a computer. These girls are less than 20 years old. They've never touched a computer before. And you know what's fascinating? Uh why and why I'm so I'm so sold out to women and, and really helping women is if you give them the opportunity, they will, they will excel. It's literally, in most cases, opportunity, not meeting passion. So we have a story I literally tell quite a lot. I'm not going to mention the girl's name, but she came into the program not knowing how to turn on a computer. Seven months after, she graduated from the program and she's now one of the leading pen testers in Nigeria. Um, you know, so that wow. is... That is what opportunity meeting passion is and what a lot of women do not have. So what we do with DigiGirls is then provide that basic intermediate digital skills training. And then when they come to CyberGirls, that's an advanced uh, you know, cybersecurity training program. They already have that base and we can just go on straight to the to the very hard stuff, you know, to the to the very crunchy stuff, you know, because they've built their milk teeth already <laughs> on the DigiGirls program. So I definitely agree with you. And what we've done with CyberGirls is we've spread across seven countries um, in Africa in the current cohort. In our next cohort, we'll be, we'll be accepting applications from um, just about any woman or girl which is who is 18 to 28 living in Africa. Last time we opened our doors, we got 8,000 applications. We accepted really? 300, yeah, we accepted 300 women and girls into the program in Nigeria, Egypt, Ghana, um, Rwanda, Zambia. Uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the other countries. Um, Kenya, 
Um, mm. And one more country, I'm not exactly remembering, but that's what we've been able to do. But on the DG Girls program, we have, in our last cohort, we had 4,000 women and girls learning in every state across Nigeria. Um, and then we then have those from those 4,000, we have 100 people who then come out of the program and volunteer to teach people in their communities. So mm. each of As them... Training, be, training the trainers type train of the trainer, uh, thing. Exactly. So we directly were able to train 4,000. We were indirectly able to train 10,000, which is way more than we directly train. Um, so I, I think that with programs like this, and I emphasizing programs like this, because it doesn't have to be DigiGirls. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a big... Uh, elephants we're tackling here so we need as many hands on deck um to really close the digital literacy gap well that, that's fantastic well I, I, again i wanted to ask you a bit more about the cyber girls for, um uh, training program and the mm -hmm. cyber but you you have done well giving us uh some real clear insights into what you do and you know the the great work that's happening across the continent uh, but cyber safe foundation what mm -hmm. inspired you to, to, to start this? Oh, it's an interesting story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, because I was not in the script. I kept it, it for myself. That's <laughs> 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 <Quite> fine. <laughs> I can share. <laughs> okay. So we started off first as an awareness, um, building capacity only from an awareness perspective um, because of something that happened in my personal life. And I would say my personal life because it wasn't to me, but it was to someone very dear. My mom became a victim of cybercrime and we had quite a, a, a really bad experience there. Um, you know, but the attack type that was used, you know, deception is very prevalent in Nigeria. So after her experience, I just knew um, I needed to step up and close the gap. I, um, I needed to begin to speak more about it, um, design and develop innovative ways um, that are effective in driving awareness to ensure that people like her and several other people that are also vulnerable do not fall for this kind of attacks anymore. So that's where we started off from. Um, and our first initiative was called Nogo for Maga. And the name is very telling of what it was. I mean, for people listening to these that don't understand pidgin English, it means don't be a victim of cybercrime and, and how <laughs> not to be a victim of cybercrime than to get educated about being a victim of cybercrime. But very something very profound also about the Nogo for Maga campaign it was, is that it was led by young people um young people that have, you know typically have been stereotyped as cyber uh, as typical yeah. uh you know cyber criminals you know mm -hmm. um so we had the community run by young people we also have something very unique about the noble formaga initiative which is that our messaging is structured in a way that the whole spectrum of people can be reached so the woman in the marketplace um that is uh you know doing her a uh, small kiosk and selling her stuff can understand the message around cybersecurity hygiene because of how we tailor it. The person in a suit in an in an office, corner office, can also be reached with this, with messaging as well. So we 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 wanted it to be as street as possible. Um, so that just about everyone can understand and 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 learn, you know. So that's why the name was called. Why, that's why it was called Nogo for Omega. Um, it resonated with the average man on the streets. <laughs> that's a very good one, you know. Yeah. I, I know. Um, talking about the the youth and you know this misconception about well, it's not really you know they what people really perceive as oh these mm -hmm. are the people who are the perpetrators. Uh, we've mm -hmm. seen them being victims in recent times, especially mm -hmm. through um, all these scams around online jobs. I don't know mm -hmm. if, you, if, if I'm, I'm sure they're on your radar exactly. uh, because, because most people want to do jobs, you know, because of the nature of, of the world and the way you know the world has gone bottom up. You find out mm -hmm. that you have a lot of uh, jobs that you need to you can stay at home and do so people just put out jobs out there and claim that you know they want people to um uh, you know uh, join them and then the next thing is that you you have i mean i've heard reports about that i i don't know if it's something that's on your radar how mm -hmm. do you educate um young people is there a 101 you know scam 101 to 10 yeah i see that you you you, you put together i will get to that you know, issues around the cyber afrobeats are you and and even the, like the the story book, um, mm -hmm. is there is there an updating based on the realities as as, as we see things unfolding? Because yes, every day you see new crimes, new kinds mm -hmm. of craziness in that space happening. Mm -hmm. Is there mm -hmm. is there a way we are updating um, 
these as they unfold. Definitely, we are, and I mean, it's. I like the fact that you use the the words um, as they unfold or the phrase as they unfold, because the threat landscape is actually changing quite a lot. And I hinted on one of them actually, um, one of those very emerging um, um, threats, which is um, investment scams. So, aside the the jobs that are you know, uh, ways that scams could happen. We also have a lot of young people who want to have uh, their money work for them and not are not following the right path to having that happen um, because, you know, they have these very, very, very beautiful offers around how their money can get doubled and they are not applying certain, uh, what I say, certain investment principles to that. Again, um, another case of financial literacy, um, mm-hmm. or lack of it, yes. <laughs> because, I mean, there's certain things you tell me and I'm like, hello, I know that this is a basic thing that, you know, how do you tell me you're, you're but, trading? But, but, but you see, that is you because you have gone through this over a period of time. You can imagine some people are so... So, first of all, you know, you know this whole idea about, you know, get rich quick and, oh, I've seen mm-hmm. this someone, someone by my side or some person mm-hmm. I know who suddenly from, you know, working on the road with uh, mm-hmm. with um, shoes that are funny, rickety and torn to suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, driving the best cars and living a, mm-hmm. what is perceived to be the life. And then it's mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, maybe this is how it happened. So I, I, I honestly think I honestly think that there, there is that real need to, you know, to to have um, these areas being um, foregrounded as well as as we move mm-hmm. on, and so there are, there are different aspects that we need to look at. What what then? Let's let's um, look at the issue about um, the youth and mm-hmm. the issue around cybersecurity and even kids, um, mm-hmm. because these days people are um, parents are seeing especially in the whole conversation around STEM and STEAM, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. parents are are really being encouraged to get their kids to learn coding at a very early um, age and, and all. Do you, do you really believe this is a good way forward? Absolutely, it's a beautiful way forward. And, and let me just share something that really gladdens my heart. I'm saying it now and my heart is, is keeping a bit. <laughs> Maybe you would have found out if you had the stethoscope, you know, really close there to, uh, to, to, to examine. But I mean, for me, um, I'm very excited about what's happening in Kenya. Um, first of all, as an African before I am a Nigerian, um, Kenya has recently introduced a new regulation which requires schools to teach coding to young people. Now, wow. while coding isn't the entire aspect, it's not, it's not an all-encompassing aspect of tech, it's just one aspect of tech, and there are many aspects of tech that do not require coding. But what that has done, it, it, it has set a precedence for the fact that it's really important to catch them young. Um, and, and I will tell you as someone who is doing a program across seven countries in Africa, that the girls we have in Kenya, they are fire. And they are fire because they have this other thing that building them before they get an opportunity as, as, um, as rigorous as cyber girls. So by the time they're getting to cyber girls, they are, they are already equipped. So it's literally like a dry log of wood waiting to be lit. Of course, that would burn faster um, than a log of wood that you have water poured on it. So that is exactly how this kind of mainstreaming of um, updating our curriculums to have tech in a way that it the learning curriculum begins to prep the minds of these young people to take on careers in in, um, cybersecurity or software development or other STEM careers. Uh, And again, if you, you you know, I believe that um, if you look at it this way, that nothing exists in the, like nature never exists in the vacuum. So if you're Mm -hmm. not doing it, um, something else is taking the place. And we have all that, this made this other many vices around. So if you're able to reach young people and show them that this is a career opportunity, they could take it up. And I'll give you an example. I saw a video of a little boy. That child cannot be older than seven. Um, he was hawking, and then you know, someone put a camera on his face and was asking him, What does he want to be? And he said, Oh, he wants to be a lawyer. And you'll find, of course, I mean. I, I'm in Nigeria right now, and I grew up knowing that, you know, being a lawyer, in career days, you see lawyers, 
you will see medical doctors, you see engineers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You will not see someone saying, I want to be a cybersecurity professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why? So, because they don't know. This could be another conversation for another day because, you know? yes, I mean, I grew we all grew up, we grew up at that time. I'm sure, in fact, my yes, time you know. was even was even worse <laughs> than yours. And, uh, you know, exactly. but actually, we all chose our path, right? And yeah. here we are. Mm. But you see this child, you know what this child said after saying he wants to be a lawyer? He said he wants to be a lawyer because he doesn't want to be a Yahoo boy. Oh. So he knows about the wrong parts of the wrong side of history of cyber, cyber issues. <laughs> but does not know about the right side of history for cyber Absolutely. Yeah. So you see, th- this was mind-blowing for me because if at that age he's already sensitized to that option of the dark side of life, are we really starting early enough to catch these people? Shouldn't we use? Shouldn't we do that as a way of stemming and you know dealing with these issues of having young people coming out and becoming fraudsters? So I, I I think that video for me was mind blowing, and every time I think about it, it just makes me remember that there's an urgency that we are leaving behind young people that we need to show the way. You know, and I'm talking about this, uh, you know, um, street uh, street young street traders. You know, each time I, I I pass around again, there are loads of them on the way, you know, leading to mm-hmm. the, the place I stay. Which incidentally, you you know, you, you see people who are this indigent, and then you, you you see very luxurious cars moving into, you know, beautiful estates and all. And then you ask yourself, what can be done to this generation of young people? Some of them between the ages of some seven, some up to, you know, eight, you know, that if only you could have, uh, conversations that okay we're not saying don't I mean street trading is illegal but mm-hmm. even if you're able to um, uh, reach out to whoever their principals are to say okay fine between so so and so time can you let these people come in for this kind of maybe rudimentary training or education that can really that can reduce because those those things we see are potential time bombs and if we do not address them we are going to be raising a lot more angry young people but again this is uh, this is another story for another day mm-hmm. <laughs> so i just to add to that as well yeah. Margaret. um i mean that's a ticking time bomb yes um and so is ignorance as well i mean not just because they're they may turn to the negative things but you see catching these young people young is also going to drive cyber security best practices as a normal thing you're not going to be dealing with behavioral changes per se um, when they begin to have access to jobs and, you know, they get into, uh, you know, for example, if their lives get changed and they access education, it will, it, those things will become second nature already. You know, I mean, when I mean uh, best practices, very, you know, standard stuff, like having two-factor authentication turned on, it will be something that they will do because they know about these things and they know about these best practices very early. So aside the part of showing them that, these are career options available to you in tech. Um, catching them young could also give them and expose these young people to imbibing cybersecurity best practices. Okay, something else that's completely off, um, not so completely because there's no way we talk about everything around development, the growing and development mm-hmm. in Nigeria without looking at infrastructure. So we, um, you know, see issues. Uh, yeah, big fat one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they have uh, Nigeria, you know, and then most of the African countries, you know, still battling with uh, energy power. You know, how mm-hmm. how does this impact the issue of cybersecurity, and what do you think, you know, can be done to circumvent the electricity problem? I mean, I know you're not government problem, but I mean. <laughs> have access to these kinds of online programs because for you to have yeah. online programs and trainings and certifications you, you have to have you have to have internet that works you have to have power that mm. can happen so mm-hmm. tell me what options you know um, i mean so we, we, we know I mean, you've done the disclaimer you, you, go ahead <laughs> you've touched on you've touched on something that I think every single person in the capacity building space is going to tell you is the biggest challenge. I mean, it's hard enough not to have this foundation um, that a lot of people in developed countries have. I mean, for people trying to gain these skills, uh, um, but it's even harder that we don't have the infrastructure that supports young people to gain these skills. Um, and by infrastructure, you mentioned some of them. But there's one that I've missed, and I will just mention it. So infrastructure in terms of um, 
electricity, um, the cost of access to internet, uh, internet, the cost and access to devices. Mm. I mean, how do you learn cybersecurity on your mobile phone? I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to say something that's not English, call it work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, it's a great that's like, yeah. That's Nigerian English. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of conversation. It's not going to work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we have that. And you know, unlike other countries where there are payment plans, there's um you can have you can take out credit, there are different infrastructure. And again, you can talk about that in the sense of the lack of data being a particular infrastructure issue as well, because data around citizens and their earning income and stuff like that can also drive these kind of um, buy now pay later models. But I mean, that's a different conversation and I, I won't go into that rabbit hole, but I'm saying that um, that is also a very major issue. So electricity is one, but yeah, I mean, there are other issues, other infrastructure issues. So what people like, myself through my organization what we try to do is we think about how to bridge those gaps but we can't do them at scale as well um so for example for most of our programs where we have a virtual component we have a smaller fraction where we offer a physical component as well so for example for dg girls we have um 95 of our fellows learning virtually and then we have 10 5 uh, percent learning physically in two hubs so we have a hub in Lagos or we have a hub in Kaduna. What that does is we've, in our heads, we've tried to support the South and we've tried to support the North. Again, um, inclusion mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. equity, right? Mm -hmm. So, but that for that, we can only do like, a, the fraction is 5%. So we can only have 100 here and 100 there, which is just 200. And in those hubs, you try to bridge those infrastructure challenges. So we provide there's, there's electricity there to, uh, for the entire time of the training. The devices are provided there for the entire time of training. Um, 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 data is also provided there. So we bridge that. But then again, it's not one of the most effective things to do because when those ladies leave the hub, they also need to practice. Some of them get so excited. They want to get home and turn on their computer and say, you know what, that SQL code I was trying to, you know, get around with, let me let me try my hands on it again. There is no device to do that. So it's not one of the most effective ways, but at least it provides us some, some way of bridging the gap. Uh, however, if you're targeting women and women in childbearing age, that still presents a different set of challenges. The two major challenges we've seen is one, the women will have to incur a high cost of commuting to those hubs every day as against the luxury of sitting in their homes with their computers and just accessing this learning. So that's one. And then if you think about it in the very practical sense of the responsibilities of caring for a home that a woman typically has in Africa, you know, a woman prepares the children for school and still picks them up from school, which is very different from the way a typical man or his responsibilities are in Africa. So you find that if you ask those same women to come to the hubs, they most times can't stay as long enough as the women don't, who don't have children yet or who don't have children that are young. So you see that even that model that is sort of like a hybrid model still suffers um or rather mm. still has setbacks because of yeah. the unique things or unique responsibilities that women have so i mean I, i've said quite a lot in that mix but i'm saying that possibly we can harness um you know some infrastructure some facilities that align follow to increase the ability to be able to create this kind of middle grounds where um infrastructure challenges are bridged for the ones who can absolutely not afford it um cannot afford the computers don't have enough electricity to learn i mean the cost of data is is something else you know so for those kind of people uh you can then cater to them in those in those kind of arrangements yeah i mean for me i i think this is really an ongoing conversation and 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 perhaps by the time we were able to share this we would have a, a lot of people who are coming in and saying, okay, we want to be part of the in a sustainable way because it's not mm -hmm. just like a one time, okay, we've sponsored these or whatever, but okay, like a 10 year plan, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. And then mm -hmm. we're, we're able to measure how successful it is and then move forward to the next step and and all and all that. But I'll, I'll, I'll talk about something else that at least is uh, cheering. And that's the issue around Afrobeat. All over the world, Nigeria has been, you know, uh, on the radar because of Afrobeat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something else that 
comes to my mind is when you look at the issue around the STEM and the STEAM. And you find out that, mm -hmm. you know, being able to leverage art to um, disseminate um, not necessarily um, things that are art related, but things that can that that exist in the science space is a good thing. Again, this is about awareness, not exactly teaching in in uh, you know the 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 science of of cyber, but really the awareness around cybersecurity. And so I gather that you have mm -hmm. the cybersecurity Afrobeat song, and I was like, oh wow, mm -hmm. how did you come about that? <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, Margaret, um, this is where I looked at it, right? There's a particular song um, that if it comes up on, on radio or in the hottest of parties, I mean, uh, I will stop dancing immediately. The song has the word cash up in it. I don't know if you know that song. Okay. Sorry? Um, um, can you hear me? It, yeah, it's an Afrobeat song that has the word cash up in it. Okay. That song um, is a song I, 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 about how uh, about how young people are scamming people using the cash app um, style, and okay. that song was a viral sensation. Um, and it was just telling about how we how has become a culture. We we have we have quite a pervasive type of music. I mean, I was in a shop in Sweden, um, you know, typically I look around, they were all white people and then there was an Afrobeat song blasting through the speakers. So we... we, we, <laughs> we I, I tell you, it's the same thing here. I, you know, I, I was yeah. at an event and, um, and then the lady who was getting married is a, an African-American um, to mm -hmm. a Nigerian-American. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, you need to have seen uh, you know the way people were dancing, white, black, mm -hmm. wherever it just didn't mm -hmm. matter. I mean, and this way exactly. to have Nigerian Afrobeat. It, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful music. It's beautiful mm. music. And so I thought about how I mean, looking at the the um, the way the music is generally used to pass on negative vices. And I've given you one example of that song, Cash Up. There are many other kinds of songs that are. Are spreading negative vices and are doing and are doing that effortlessly subconsciously so i thought about i thought to myself why don't we do the same for positive um positive things we're trying to teach people and um, also because a lot of people think about cybersecurity and we think about it as boring or something very boring <laughs> yeah uh, and so those are some of the challenges we're not able to communicate things in a way that is jargon free and people can the average person can understand so during the covid pandemic and seeing i mean like your intro said you know the spike in cyber crimes uh we we send out a proposal to the UK government and we said to them, uh, in your COVID-19 response plan, you also need something for cybersecurity and we could do X, Y, and Z for the most vulnerable people. Um, and what we try to do at scale for Nigeria's most vulnerable, I'm sorry, one of Nigeria's, uh, the, one of the groups that was vulnerable was young people. Uh, what we tried to then do for them was use their language to speak to them, which was music. Fantastic. So we wanted something, yes, we wanted something that talks to them directly. But when you listen to the lyrics of the song, you could dance, you could dance, um, you could dance, you could dance to this song to, uh, at a club. But when you listen to the lyrics, it's actually saying a lot that could, it's about cybersecurity, hygiene, best practices. And so we, we looked around and said, okay, so when we got the funding for that, we looked around and said, hmm, who does fantastic music um, uh, on the continent? And we looked at, uh, and we worked with Kobam Sosuko, who is a prolific songwriter and producer. And he came up with this fantastic song uh, uh, that we, we currently have as an Afrobeat song. But what's most interesting, again, talking about sustainability um, first around projects, we, that project with the UK government has ended. We're able to reach 10 million people. But that was that's not the biggest side of the story. It's the fact that we are currently closing out um, a partnership, or we have closed out a partnership with the, with, um, the Chief Information Security Officers of Financial Institutions. Um, and so this partnership we've just closed out, and the funding that coming together is going to be able to give us um, is going to be able to then take that song and then bring it into the financial industry in Nigeria as a tool to continue to drive awareness for for bank customers around mm -hmm. cyber cyber hygiene best practices. And I think that's the biggest story. It's not that we reach 10 million people. It's the fact that two years after doing that, or there's not two years, close to two years after doing that project, 
it still remains relevant and the the industry the ecosystem has adopted it and very soon you walk into banking halls and begin to hear that song as well you'll be in mantra doors and hear that song you'll be in um atm uh, galleries and hear the song play as well so <laughs> that is a big story <laughs> that is a very big story and a good story well done well done confidence uh, you so, I, you so I'm, I'm asking this um oh i want to ask this uh, what is the future you envision for Cyber Safe Foundation and the overall cyber security in Nigeria? Just mm-hmm. maybe within the next decade. Obviously, from what you have shared, there is so much that is happening. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are next story, next stories, and next stories. So, but within the next, or look, let's look at the, the, the next 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you envision? I mean, I think I'm going to share one of my visions for the, the continent. Um, um, I have to do with cyber security. I'll just share one, which is that I see the African continent becoming the hub for cybersecurity talent for the rest of the world. Fantastic. And, and, and let me tell you why this is so profound, and I think why it's also very doable, and why I think this is something that would happen, not may happen, but will happen. Um, we already have a reputation for being the guys who scam a lot. I, I, I mean, I can argue with that fact. <laughs> I can argue, but that's a different conversation. I mean, we would have to have a second interview for us to go into that. But, but, no, but, but I do I do kind of agree with you because, well, anyway, like I said, let's not derail the conversation exactly. so that our viewers can stay focused. Like, what are these guys doing? Are they just moving from one, one story to the other? <laughs> oh, God. So we have the numbers also of people who I would say these things come naturally true and who, who um, if given the right opportunities to channel that knowledge in the right way and make a decent living and begin to normalize having, um, uh, um, providing services in, in a very, very high standard to the rest of the world. And very soon it become like how we're importing music. Sorry, how we're exporting music. We'll begin to export talents at that scale. We also have a very high level of unemployment, which means we have a very big number of young people and their brains aren't hacked. So if we were intentional about changing that narrative from being the cyber crime capital of the world to becoming the cyber talent capital of the world by putting in place these different building blocks, which again, I won't go into them, the different building blocks to harness the numbers, the interests we have. I mean, let me tell you how mind-blowing interest in cybersecurity is in this part of the world. I opened an application recently. I mean, I told you about it uh, before while we're preparing for this, um, we're talking about this interview. And I said, I'm going to open applications for people to get to get the Cisco um, Cyber Ops Associate Certification. I opened seats for 1,000 people. Margaret, guess how quickly the, the seats got filled? We filled those seats in less than six hours. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so people are still dropping comments on my social media pages begging for a second cohort. But that's to show you how interested people are in building, unlike other clients where they're trying to, you know, uh, you know, you think you should consider these, you consider cyber. No, no. Here we're not trying to beg or cajole people to consider cyber security. We just don't have the resources for them to gain these skills. They can't afford the certifications. They don't have the tools. They don't have enough mentorship. That is our problem. So imagine if we provided an environment where we're intentional about becoming what India is to the software world, that we become what we become that to cybersecurity globally. Margaret, we can do it. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you. I mean, I got into this whole conversation around cybersecurity um, when a friend and I, you know, said really talking about the potentials, the the threats, but more more like the potentials in this space. How do we turn the story around? And I always look at how we can turn the story around. This is one great opportunity. And you don't have to import things from the ports that would hold you for then, you know, that mm-hmm. like, okay, we're not able to clay it. This is, mm-hmm. you know, projects that are, I always say that that have to do with less, you know, physical movements and more with, you know, what your brain and intellect can pull together. 
you know, mm-hmm. that's those are the those are the kinds of jobs that are the you know obviously the next level jobs and the mm-hmm. jobs that the world needs right now. And with the whole conversation around the youth migrating, this is mm-hmm. where you can stay anywhere in the world and still end those you know those uh, green notes you want to get uh, you know depending mm-hmm. on the. Uh, oh. On the, on the country <laughs> and all. so it is it is an immense opportunity and uh, mm-hmm. you know um it's something that a lot of people rather than thinking of um giving money to some some people who would tell take them through the desert for like how many years and some killed and you know <laughs> they can use not maybe a tenth or whatever of that money to you know train and and and, and get this that would be more than enough to mm-hmm. move on so I mean we we can go on and on, but again I'm I'm told that you know we're running out of time. I'm also confident I'm I'm really um, amazed at the work that you're doing, and I and I, and I hope that you know these efforts can they're already improving cybersecurity um, mm-hmm. in the country and in the continent. But I really would like for us to see uh, it move into double, triple, um, and whatever fold. And mm-hmm. we we're here to see how we can you know collaborate and support the work that you're doing currently, which is fantastic. Um, you know, so like I said, nothing lasts forever, and we have come to the end of the show. And again, <laughs> confidence. I'd like to thank you for making our time, and especially on a day that you know everyone is resting in Nigeria. It's 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 great to have you here. You know, thank so. You so much. And yeah, thanks. So we would like our viewers, as always, to follow the business exchange, you know, the ABC Business Exchange on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And on social media, please follow us at abcouncil underscore ng on Twitter and Instagram and American Business Council Nigeria on LinkedIn. And make sure you join the conversation and use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange. And we'll see you same time. Dot 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 dot. But thank you for listening.